This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and all the rumors that surround this wonderful sport that we cover. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how are you living? Pretty good. Pretty good. Getting ready to drop the puck. So that's that's a good thing. It feels like we're getting closer. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about how close we're getting. And we're also going to talk about uh, the changes that may or may not be coming to the Golden Knights before said puck is dropped. But before we get to all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Indeed and FavorShotDrinkOfFavor.com. Also, check out all of Dave and I's written work at ReviewJournal.com. And of course, if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, All right. So we've got a lot to go over on today's show. I think those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a while probably know that there have been times in the past couple weeks and months where we've had to get creative with topic ideas for these shows. Today is not one of those days. Today is a day where I sat in front of my keyboard this morning and basically was just able to come out with an outline very easily because there's a lot swirling around the NHL and the Golden Knights right now. We'll start with the league as a whole before we dive into the uh, fun, juicy gossip surrounding the Knights. Uh, It sounds like we're getting closer to the 2021 NHL season officially being on track. When we talked about before that the players and the owners were potentially haggling over financial issues after the owners came to the players looking for more concessions than what was just outlined in the CBA that the two sides just agreed to five months ago. Well, late Monday night, it was reported that you know, the two sides basically decided to drop those arguments, stop kind of the haggling over money, and they're just moving forward with the season under the terms of the CBA that they had already agreed to. Uh, now, there's still a lot for the two sides to work out because there might be roster rule changes. There might be changes to the playoff format. There's obviously 
divisional realignment that potentially needs to happen. And there are, of course, questions about, you know, player health and safety. But at least they can now fully focus on that. Uh, the goal, as have been reported in multiple places by now, is that they want to play roughly a 52 to 56 game season that starts on January 13th. Uh, there's probably going to be around a 10-day training camp leaning into things. As of now, doesn't sound like there'll be any preseason or exhibition games, especially because, I mean, certainly here locally in Las Vegas, but I expect, you know, basically across the league as a whole, there's not really going to be fans allowed in these buildings early on. So it kind of defeats one of the main purposes of having a preseason game anyway. Uh, but Dave, are you surprised, relieved, all of the above, that it seems like at least the fighting over the season appears to be over and the players are and owners are working together to make it happen? Well, I wouldn't say I'm surprised because I, I felt kind of all along, you know, even a couple of weeks ago when the clock seemed like it was ticking on, you know, January 1st, that something would get done and maybe not for January 1st, which, as you mentioned, it seems like it's been at least targeted pushed back to January 13th for right now. So I wasn't totally surprised. Relieved, I think, maybe is is a good word because anytime there's labor negotiations or, or labor strife, something going on in the NHL, you always start crossing your fingers and pulling on the wishbone and, and you know, hope it works out well just because of their history. And we've seen lockouts and, and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, I, you know, we mentioned in past podcast and it gets into the boring language of the CBA. And there were things in there to per, you know, prevent it this year um, or this time, excuse me. And we started hearing words and phrases, you know, like force majeure forced me to actually like go on to Google and look exactly up what force majeure is all those sorts of things. You know, you never know what's going to happen with the NHL. So at least the fact that they said, you know, all right, well, you know, we don't have to worry about the economics. We already, did that. What, what I think was reported in a couple places and when it sounds like it happened was the NHL said, Oh, okay. Well, if you say you're not, you know, negotiating, but you want to do a couple things, well, you know, here's some of the things that we'd like. And then the owners kind of went, yeah, okay. Maybe not, maybe not. Let's just, let's just stick to the CBA. So uh, it, just the fact that everything seems to be pointing in the right direction that, you know, as we come up on the holiday that really, I think, in terms of the structure and all the things you mentioned, though there's a lot still to work out, but really what, what we're really at the mercy of and what it's all going to depend on is the coronavirus and the, and the pandemic and where things stand in that sense. And in a weird way, in a, in a weird way, maybe that's like the good news because I think that was going to be something that was present all along and something they had to deal with. So if they're just to that point, and all the other things can point forward and, and the ship can start, you know, sailing in, in the right direction. You know, that that makes me optimistic for sure. Yeah, we'll have to see how it ultimately all shakes out. I mean, we've seen in all the sports that are kind of active now, especially the NFL, college football, college basketball, uh, COVID-19 is still a very real thing that is affecting things. I mean, there are tons of games that have been canceled, postponed, shifted around, things like that. So certainly it, they're going to have to be really flexible with hockey in order to get in uh, as many games as possible to try to make this season work, but at least they're headed on the right direction. It appears like, all right, that was one of the big 
news items of the week. Uh, now let's just go into the not so much news items yet, but things that certainly could turn into news. So obviously earlier this week, like I said, I think a lot of people were relieved, excited, happy because it appeared that the NHL season was officially on track. Not that long after we got that news, uh, the Knights made some other headlines that I'm sure a lot of people in their locker room weren't too thrilled about. Uh, It started uh, last night with TSN reporting that the Knights are basically shopping Max Pacioretty. And then other outlets like the fourth period and the athletic chime in with additional names that could be, you know, in trade conversations like Jonathan Marcheseau, Alec Martinez, and Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, The Knights are still approximately $1 million over the salary cap, so this could potentially help them get uh, compliant. Uh, These are also a lot of names that were at least mentioned in passing when the Knights were trying to get uh, closer to the cap ceiling after uh, and during their chase for Alex Petrangelo. Ultimately, they, of course, moved Paul Stasny and Nate Schmidt, but these are some of the same guys that were kind of considered options to be moved at the time as well uh but these also feel like big names to just be throwing around less than a month before training camps now would potentially get going because it sounds like camps would start approximately january 3rd so dave what do you make of the fact that all of a sudden the knights uh have dumped a bunch of names seemingly on the rumor mill right as things are going to start getting ramped up here. Yeah, the timing of it's interesting. I mean, I guess, to be quite honest, I I don't really think a whole lot of it, and I probably should, because like you mentioned, the names that are being floated are are certainly big-name guys. I guess why I don't, and at least two of them to begin with, are just not surprising, because they've been on the trading block seemingly since the draft and and even be, before that. Like Marc-Andre Fleury is going to get traded. He's going to get moved. He's not going to be a golden knight for a whole heck of a lot longer. He might make it through the season, but I really doubt that he's going to get through next offseason without being you know, moved or, or something figured out. Like as long as Robin Leonard is here and performing – and signed to a five-year extension and all that sort of stuff, Marc-Andre Fleury is expendable. And he's a luxury item like we've talked about, you know, in numerous podcasts before. His $7 million cap hit handcuffs them in many ways. And and if the salary cap is going to, you know, stay flat going into the future, the Knights are probably going to want that flexibility. So with like his name, not a shock. Like I, I think they've been looking to trade him all along. Max Pacioretty, somewhat same thing because there was a report at the draft out of Montreal with a French language uh, television station that there was a trade at that point that fell through for Max Pacioretty. So it's clear like when the Knights were looking to, you know, move cap space and make the signing of Alex Petrangelo official and and get under the the threshold and all those sorts of things, whether it was Nate Schmidt or Marchessa or Pacioretty or like all of these names were mentioned back then. So for them to, I guess, pop up again is not surprising. The timing of it, like you said, Ben, that's maybe the most eye-opening thing about it, that as soon as the bell rang, on the next season, as soon as we get a word that, oh, we're looking at January 13th and, and okay, and we have some something of an NHL calendar now, boom, the Knights are the ones that, that you know, the names all leak and, 
and everything like that. That's maybe the most surprising thing is just the timing of it, I guess. The names, not so much. Yeah, the flurry one almost has to be discussed separately because, you know, as you were kind of talking about, he's kind of going to be a permanent fixture on the trade block basically until he gets traded. Just he also feels like at this point to me, almost the least likely of those names to get moved just because I don't know what's different between when they are trying to trade him earlier this offseason, like around the draft and all that compared to now, because obviously the supply and demand wasn't great enough for the Knights to get what they wanted for Marc-Andre Fleury earlier in the offseason. So I don't know why things would all of a sudden be different now when most teams have kind of filled their goaltending needs. Now, maybe obviously once camps start and once the season gets going, injuries can happen. Maybe a contender gets desperate and the Knights are able to work something out there. But unless their kind of thinking on a flurry trade has changed significantly in the past couple months, like maybe they're willing to attach more assets or something, I don't think he's that likely to get moved in the near future. Obviously, long term, as I mentioned, even potentially during the season, next offseason, I totally agree with you that you know that's a matter of uh, when, not if. Uh, the other names are interesting, even if they're not necessarily surprising, just the timing and then obviously the names attached are notable. And Pacioretty, like to not gloss over it, he was the Knights All-Star last season. He led the team with 32 goals and 66 points. Now he did get injured during training camp 2.0 before the bubble and struggled to score in the postseason like most of the team. Um, Jonathan Marcheseau, he he is the team's all-time leader in assists and points. Uh, He's kind of, you know, one of the most well-known players in that locker room. And he's a guy who, you know, at least gives you a 200-foot effort. Uh, Like Pacioretty, he couldn't score in the playoffs. And so you could understand, you know, maybe why they would want to upgrade there. But he's certainly got a high floor as a player. And then Martinez was a trade deadline acquisition last year that uh, really rounded out their blue line and played well. He was a very good compliment to Shea Theodore. Now he's in the, an expiring contract and the Knights, uh, as we have talked about many times, don't like rentals. And I think that even goes for, you know, players on their own roster. Sometimes I don't think they like, they like cost certainty as we have uh, often put it. So that, you know, could make sense a little bit if they want more cost certainty on the blue line moving forward. And obviously they've got young guys, like especially a Nick Hag, that they could be trying to, you know, make room for. But it's, yeah, it's all interesting. And I think one thing I keep coming back to is because all of those guys were key contributors last year, have been productive either in the recent past or just the past, uh, there's no way they're moving some of these names, you know, putting Marc-Andre Fleury aside. Uh, especially after the Knights struggled to score so much late in the postseason, unless there's a plan B. Uh, So I guess my next question to you is, Dave, would there be a clear plan B for the Knights if that's a route they decide to go down? Well, let me back up a little bit. And and let me, because I think that the guys that you mentioned, you know, especially Pacioretty, Marchessault, Martinez, there's sort of a reason with each one of them that their name would be mentioned in a trade rumor. Okay. I mean, here's the, here's the elephant in the room when it comes to patch ready. And I, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to flat out mention it. He is a client of Alan Walsh. Alan Walsh is the same agent as Mark Andre Fleury. 
same agent that put the tweet out with the sword through the back and all of that. Okay. Like, I don't necessarily think it's coincidence that Max Pacioretty's name has popped up as somebody that the Golden Knights would potentially trade. Jonathan Marcheseau, for all of his value, for everything that you said, was also a Gerard Gallant guy. Played for him in Florida, was, you know, here in the expansion draft. He's the guy that gave him a chance, gave him an opportunity. I don't know how Pete DeBoer feels about Jonathan Marcheseau's game. I don't know how, what happened in the postseason with Jonathan Marcheseau having to apologize for his Instagram comments and replies, how that went over with, with Pete DeBoer and what Pete DeBoer thinks of him in the, in this, you know, long-term vision, I guess that he, that he's going to have. There's another guy in all of this, Alex Tuck. And if they feel Alex Tuck is ready to move up into the top six, that, okay, that you're just clearing a room. And then you've got guys in you know, could potentially go into the third line, Jack Dugan, maybe Peyton Krebs, maybe somebody like Lucas Elvinus. So there's a lot of like, I guess, different reasons or scenarios that all of these things could pop up. The other thing is, and, and this is kind of how I've been trying to think about it or, or, or figure this out, you know, how to phrase it in my mind is, okay, well, if you're going to upgrade, what would you give up? And what would you try to be acquiring? To me, if I'm the Golden Knights, their one weakness or the one area that I think they need to upgrade is down the middle at center. Centers are hard to acquire. So if you're going to get a frontline guy, somebody that you feel is going to make an impact, it's going to take a big chip that you give up in return. So what kind of chips do they have? Well, Max Pacioretty or Jonathan Marchessault. So, and that's why their name I think come up in the conversation. It's just these hypothetical scenarios like that. Hey, if the Golden Knights are going to go get a center, what could they, you know, what could they send the other way? Well, Pacioretty, you know, if they're mad at his agent, you know, maybe they could send him out and, and sell high on him. 32 goals, 66 points, like you mentioned. March or so, you know, he's still productive. Same thing, Alex, Alec Martinez, excuse me. You know, he's a guy that naturally would come up at the trade deadline in a conversation for from, you know, being moved because he'd be a rental. So, I mean, again, it's just all logical scenarios and all logical things that, that would come up almost in any off season and not to downplay it because I do think it's significant, but I think there's a reason and a logic that all of these names seem to be coming up and whether it's eminent that something's going to happen, whether there is a plan B or, or these different things that I've mentioned, you know, going and getting a center or, or whatever it might be. You know, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. You know, there's some free agents out there too. That that's another, you know, that's another way that they could go and look. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 
73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Yeah, to quick kind of, I guess, recap what's still out there on the free agent market because it has been a pretty slow offseason once kind of the initial wave of free agency happened there's still some at least interesting names i would say uh left unsigned one of them that i think will jump to the top of mind for a lot of knights fans is uh, mike hoffman who's a winger who was just with the florida panthers uh he's a good offensive player but not a good defensive player not a guy that you're going to put out on uh, the penalty kill or exactly boast about his 200 foot game uh he's 31 years old uh he had 130 goal season in 2018-19 and then he scored 29 goals last year so obviously you would expect if they would have played the full 82 games last year he would have had his second 30 goal season of his career um he's a guy to i guess kind of keep tabs on uh then there's mikhail grandland who was a nashville predator Last year, before that, he had a kind of you know lengthy tenure with the Minnesota Wild, and he had some really good moments, and he had some really good seasons. But he's not exactly what I would define as a scorer. Which, if you move Patchetti or Marcia, so I would say that's what the Knights should be looking to get in return. And you could obviously get that at a replacement. You know, left winger could get that at center. But one of the keys for the Knights, obviously, last postseason was they struggled to score goals. They struggled to finish chances. Well, especially Pacioretty is your number one guy at finishing chances. So if you end up moving him, you certainly need to give get back something that will help you score goals next year. Um, and then a name that a lot of Knights fans already know is, of course, Eric Kala. Uh, he is still out on the free agent market. The uh, center slash left wing that spent... Uh, you know, the Knights inaugural season with the team. Uh, he did score 29 goals with the Knights that year, but he hasn't scored more than 15 in any other year. And he kind of had, you know, not so great year bouncing between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers last year. Uh, he is available if the Knights want to make the call. But once again, I don't think he's a guy that would solve kind of the issue of like, how do they get more offense going? Um so those are the names that are out there, the options. Then obviously, as Dave kind of hinted at, there could be a ton of names that we're not talking about that they're discussing uh, in trades. I um, mean, you've already hinted at this, Dave, but I'll, I'll ask you again. How much do you think all this chatter that was just kind of dumped out there as soon as kind of the floodgates started to reopen uh, for next season, 
uh, how much you think is real and are, you know, serious conversations that the Knights are having with other teams about their players. And how much could this possibly be uh, to, you know, quote one of my favorite Shakespeare titles, much ado about nothing. Well, I think it's real in the sense that I trust the reporting and the reporters who did it. And I don't think that there's anything factually incorrect about it. You know, is Max Pacioretty's name out there? Like, would the Golden Knights trade him? Yeah, I think that's absolutely 100% correct. And like I said, uh, going back to the draft, it, it appeared that the Golden Knights would be willing and, and at least trying to to trade Max Pacioretty. So in terms of the accuracy of, you know, and all of that, I don't have any doubt it's real. Now, whether any of this is going to happen or or actually could happen that's maybe where my skepticism comes in and i'm a little i guess more sus to use the uh, the kids term right now uh, I, because i think one it's going to be hard to, to make any sort of deal right now just in terms of the nhl climate in terms of the economic climate knowing that that salary cap is going to be flat you know knowing that there's teams right now that are still figuring out where they're at i mean look at tampa tampa still has all kinds of salary cap things that they need to sort out Anthony Sorelli, different RFAs and, and things going on. So for the Knights to be able to pull off a trade, say, you know, before training camp starts or something like that, I mean, it, it would have had to have been in the works for a while. Um, it would, it would have to be something that comes together, you know, pretty quickly. And it would have to be something again that makes them better. And to, to the point, and, and maybe circling, sort of the whole conversation on all this is if you get rid of Max Pacioretty and you're a team that struggles to score to begin with, how does it make you better if your leading scorer is departing? What are you getting in return? Long-term, what are you adding? You know, does it mean something in your system can make up for that loss? Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm skeptical of that. I'm not so sure. I don't know how trading say Max Pacioretty and or Jonathan March. So depending on what you get makes you better in the short term. And this is a team that is trying to win a Stanley cup right now. So I, with that, I'm, I'm skeptical that that will actually see a trade come down the pipeline. I, the one, the one, I guess, star next to it, I still think is, is Marc-Andre Fleury because again, that's a, that's going to happen. That's a, that's a win. Not if, like you said, Ben, so if somebody were to come at them after an injury or make an offer or whatever, I could see Marc-Andre Fleury moving at any point. But some of these other ones, I feel are going to be much tougher to to have something come together. But we'll see. I mean, you know, we, we've we been surprised around the NHL before when it comes to trades. And, and certainly the Golden Knights have pulled off a couple that, you know, maybe we didn't entirely see coming. Yeah, no, we'll definitely have to see. I mean, it's worth keeping in mind that the Knights got back a, a fourth round pick for Paul Stasny and a third round pick for Nate Schmidt. So they weren't exactly uh, flush with assets for parting with two of their better players. And you would have to imagine that Pacioretty with his uh, high cap hit, he's got a $3 million, or $7 million excuse me, uh, cap hit for the next three seasons that he wouldn't exactly be returning a, a ton of value either. Uh, last thing I want to touch on is, you know, we, we've mentioned this earlier in the offseason when the Knights were kind of making all their moves, uh, getting rid of Stasny and Schmidt, bringing in Alex Petrangelo. Um, you know, how, I guess, do we think it plays 
in the locker room that the Knights are uh, throwing these names back out there so soon after kind of everyone got the news of like, hey, we're definitely going back to work. Hey, oh, wait, we don't know exactly who's coming back to work with us. Because I think guys can understand to a point the initial kind of wave of rumors about, hey, you're chasing Alex Petrangelo. Like, man, like that's tough. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that I'm sure kind of deep in their heart of hearts would understand chasing, you know, a Norris trophy caliber defenseman. You have to give up some good things to make that happen. To have some of these names go back on the rumor mill months later and without kind of a clear reward in sight this time, at least for now, and maybe obviously the kind of uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow becomes clear later. How do, do we think this affects kind of, you know, chemistry or just feelings at all with the Knights? Yeah, so I, I, I'll answer that. I want to go back to one quick point, just just to pound this home on Pacioretty because I think it's it is relevant and interesting. It, it's kind of the whole net effect and what it took to acquire him to begin with. What the Golden Knights, sort of in total, in sum, have given up to to acquire him, and that's I mean, essentially, when you go back to like the Tomas Tatar trade, and you add it all up, it's Nick Suzuki and a first, a two seconds and a third. So when you have that much invested in somebody in Max Pacioretty, just with all that capital, and especially when you see what Suzuki is developing into, I mean, if you're the goal of the Knights, you're asking for a lot in return for Pacioretty to make up for that. And I don't know who's necessarily going to jump, you know, at the chance to, to help them out and to do that to, to the point of, to your question and, and like how they feel about it. I think it's valid and I think it's interesting and I think it'll be one of the questions that I would like to ask them. I know in the past, you know, with preseason, you know, we've mentioned as a media core, Hey, you know, how much did it suck to have your name come up in trade rumors and things like that? And you have certain guys like, yeah, you know, it's not cool to just, you know, be on edge and, and all those sorts of things. I'm sure there's a lot of uncomfort or discomfort, excuse me, uh, with those players. And we've seen it, you know, throughout the summer with what Nate Schmidt said that apparently George McPhee didn't even give him a phone call um, as things were developing. Marc-Andre Fleury said he didn't hear from the team during the offseason and only found out that he was returning when Kelly McCrimmon announced it to us during that Zoom call. So it's weird because I don't know what other teams and what the standard of communication is, you know, at this point in time, like, is it normal for Jonathan March so to get a phone call from the team when all this stuff happens and say, Hey, yeah, you know, you're out there, you know, but don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Or do they just, you know, go on radio silence? I think if I'm a player, I mean, I would certainly want some, some kind of, you know, information, something from my, my agent. And if I'm not hearing it, well, it puts me on pins and needles. I don't know how well I would play in that scenario. That's just me. Different guys react to it differently, but I can't imagine that if the Golden Knights are not communicating what's going on, that that players are, you know, all that comfortable with it. And, you know, I, I, the other thing is, too, they're pros. I guess they're used to it. it it's part of the NHL. You, you understand it. But I would imagine going into training camp, if I'm a player, I would hope that things are pretty close to being settled and that especially if it's abbreviated and no exhibition games and we got to jump right into a shortened season. I would like to know early on 
you know, what sort of chemistry we've got and how are we going to develop that? And let's make sure that the roster is pretty well set because if anything is in flux and I don't know if I'm here and you don't know if you're going or, or coming or whatever, I think it makes it really difficult to start the season and develop the type of chemistry and get on the type of role that they're going to need to coming out of the shoot. Absolutely agree. And uh, you mentioned they need to be in a role coming out of the shoot. That is definitely true because as we're recording, uh, Pierre Lebrun of TSN and the athletic uh, tweeted out what he believes will be the divisions for next year. And the Knights are of course going to stay in, you know, whatever they end up calling it, the Western, the, you know, redone Pacific division, because of course there will be an all Canadian division to, uh, you know, not have the border issues come into play. So that means the Knights, lose uh, the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Vancouver Canucks from the Pacific Division. In their place come the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the St. Louis Blues. So basically, the top four teams in the Western Conference last season will all be in the same division, and it is the division, of course, the Knights are in. That's going to be a gauntlet that's potentially going to be a bloodbath if they end up going with a you know divisional format for the playoffs where the kind of champion of each division makes you know the final four essentially we don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case i know that's one idea that's been thrown out there but uh potentially next week we can dive even more into this once we get official word on how this is all going to play out uh but on first glance dave uh the knights schedule next season looks like it's going to be a lot more difficult than probably they even anticipated. Yeah. The absolute worst case scenario. Like, I mean, when you look at just the regions and it could have been Minnesota instead of St. Louis, like that's the, that's the worst case scenario. I mean, you've got Colorado Stanley cup favorite, maybe, uh, or at least one of them, St. Louis Stanley cup champion two seasons ago. Uh, Dallas Stanley Cup finalists last year. So, you know, like you said, to replace Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary with those three teams, that's really, that's really tough. But here's my thing. This is what I'm rooting for. I'm just going to throw this out there. All right. So you go back to like the expansion, 1968 and whatever. And they had one division with all the teams that were good. And then all the teams that were expansion teams. And it guaranteed that if you got through the the division, you're going to play an expansion team and pretty much, yeah, pretty much win the Stanley cup. And that's what happened, right? The blues got there four years in a row, or I think three years in a row, excuse me. And then got smoked. This is what I'm hoping for this year with all of this. I want to see somehow some playoff format where all of these three U S divisions play, but then one Canadian division winner is waiting at the end. And I want to see a Canadian team guaranteed to play in the Stanley cup. That would be awesome as far as I would absolutely love that. That would be hysterical. And as you said, it's the the worst case scenario for the Knights. Uh, Not just that, you know, Blues, Minnesota swap that basically happened. But I mean, the other kind of, you know, U.S. divisions are not nearly as scary. I mean, the, I don't know, Central slash Southeast one that's kind of shaping up here that has uh, Detroit, Chicago, in it, I mean, Tampa Bay has just got to be licking its chops because it, you know, will have to play the Hurricanes, which will be tough. Other than that, they don't really have much competition. So, uh, bad break for the Knights. But like I said, we will probably 
be breaking all that down when we get more details on how this is all going to officially play out next year. We will also keep you guys posted on what we're hearing about all these kind of trade rumors surrounding the Knights. Uh, what's real, what's fake, what's actually has a chance to come to pass. And for all that information, uh, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Also, of course, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. As a reminder, we are presented by Indeed and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com. I'm Ben Goats, that's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.